Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Marvelous mothers. Marvelous mamas. Once, when the founder, Acharya, of this International Society for Krishna Consciousness, his divine grace, Srila Prabhupada, when he was a small child, he was called Abai. And one day, Abai swallowed a watermelon seed. And his friends told him that a watermelon was going to grow in his belly. So he ran to his mother and told her what his friends had said. And his mother said, don't worry. I'll chant some mantras and nothing will happen. And when Prabhupada was telling this story to his disciples, he said, This was just like Mother Yashoda and Krishna. And every time Krishna killed a demon, Mother Yashoda would say, that's because of the mantras I chanted, that you were safe. So this is a beautiful picture. Can everybody see that picture of Mother Yashoda and baby Krishna? And if you look at this picture, you'll see, maybe we can move the screen out a little bit um, so, it's just, so I don't have to turn so much around. But you'll see this, it's, a, it's, it's maybe a little bit blurry, but you'll see a mother showed a holding her son Krishna. And there's a great expression of confidence on Krishna's face. And this is one of the things that good mothering will bring to a young child is this feeling of confidence. And they say that between the ages of, you know, one and six, or from birth till about six, it's, it's one of the most important times of a child's life, both for the mother and the father, but this is Mother's Day, so we're concentrating on the mother, but particularly for the mother, and the child believes that or feels that my mother is the only and best mother in the whole world and I am sitting on her lap, therefore I am also best. So there's just this great sense of connection. There's love, there's physical touch, which is really, really important for the young child, for them to get a sense of confidence. It makes them feel valued, it makes them feel worthy, and it makes them feel important. And when a child grows up without that, it's said that there's this kind of vacancy in the heart that would spend, one would spend their life trying to fill if they don't get this very close connection with a mother at the early years of their life. She's also looking beautiful. She takes care of herself. The whole scene is one of beauty, of joy, and just look at Krishna's face. Right? He's the supreme personality of Godhead. But he's feeling just so good about himself in the lap of his mother. Here's another picture of Krishna and Yashoda. And this picture is about security and the importance of giving security to a young child. And again, we see just that here he's a little closer, he's been held, he's falling asleep. It's... It's peacefulness. 
And in one sense, the mother and the child are both benefiting from this relationship. Because when the mother loves the child and the child in return has only has eyes for the mother, it's practically one of the most nourishing feelings in the world. And those of you who are mothers or have been mothers um, have experienced that with a very young child. This, this very, very deep connection. Um, and later on, um, if, again, confidence, security, if these are put in at a very young age, they anchor the child. And later on, the child is a very, the adult is a very confident and self-assured and very secure, not only in their sense of self, but also in their sense of the idea of even a higher mother or a higher father, a, a, a divinity that represents uh, you know, motherhood or the Lord as a father. So Prabhupada described that these paintings of, of Krishna and Krishna's different relationships are like windows to the spiritual world. And we can learn from them and learn how Krishna was held by his mother and learn how important it is for us to be with our children, to hold them and to give them that sense of identity connected with something as, as beautiful as a mother's love. And the third, the third situation with Krishna and his mother is about boundaries and the importance of parents and mothers in particular for setting boundaries. Here we have Mother Yashoda with a stick in her hand. And you, again, I'm not sure how close you can see this, but it's Krishna and Balaram, his brother, and their expressions, particularly Balaram, who's right behind the first pillar, senses they're in trouble. Krishna's glancing around in the middle with his hand in the butter pot. And Yashoda's serious. She's serious as a mother catching them in the act of doing wrong. So boundaries are also a part of being a good mother, a good parent. And it's also love. Because if we don't put some boundaries um, on our children when they cross that line, they will become very spoiled and um, really have no sense of that line. Right, and 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 we'll actually get in more trouble and have to perhaps suffer more later because of that. Now, Mother Shona never actually hit Krishna with that stick, so that's an important point. But she did tie him up one time when he really um, uh, got out of hand. So we also don't really recommend tying up your children, just to, just to put it out there. In fact, Krishna went to Nanda Maharaj and complained, my mother tied me up. Nanda Maharaj took a little bit of Krishna's side, but very often, and that's why mothering is always, and parenting is always good done together, kind of like good cop, bad cop. Um, but the mother especially, because she's so close to the child, because of carrying them, in her womb for nine months, and then feeding, that um, her ability to hold that stick and draw that line is very powerful and very important. It's a very important thing for a mother to do. Uh, the worst thing we can do for our children, and, and again, these are all when the, when the child is up to the age of six, where mother is everything. After five, six, um, children realize, actually, there's more people in the world and they look very interesting, and I, I'd like to get to know them, and they start to branch out. But up to that point, um, really their, their eyes are on the mother. The mother is there, the mother is always there, the, the family is secure, and it's, it's, if you can cement those first years in, um, 
you reap the benefits of that later on. Now, another mother, very famous in our bhakti line, and there's many, many stories of mothers in our tradition, but another mother is um, Queen Kunti. And Queen Kunti is the mother of the five Pandavas. And here there's a picture of Queen Kunti. When the Pandavas came back to her, and they're older, they're not children anymore, and they, they came back and they had one Draupadi uh, to be their wife. So two things happen here. One, they have the etiquette of presenting everything to their mother. Um, and they did that, and they said, Mother, we have something to show you, or we have received something. And she didn't turn around. She just said, Oh, divide it up between all of you. And so there was trust there, right? She trusted them. And, and so here's a, here's, here's a point about trust. And trust is a really, really, really important part of parenting and giving trust to your children, especially when they're older. Uh, because they had the culture of offering everything, which is a culture of respect and honoring. But the mother reciprocated what, with that by saying, thank you, and go ahead and figure it out yourselves. I trust you. You're old enough to do that. So there wasn't a sense of control, and everything has to come through me, and I'm going to tell you exactly what to do. So she didn't turn around. She said, divide it up, and they were like, okay, this is a problem because there's one woman and there's five of us. And that was unheard of in that time. A lot of times uh, men would have many wives, but women did not have many husbands. So um, they accepted it as the arrangement of the Lord, and so Draupadi had five husbands. And sometimes when we do trust our children, we will make mistakes, or they will make mistakes. This was a mistake. Um, but it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes, and it's okay to trust our children that it's okay to make mistakes, and let them experience it, because it's only in that way that they grow and they develop and they learn because mistakes are the best teachers. We all make them. We all hope we don't, but we all do, and our children do as well. So giving trust to our children is a really, really, really important part of parenting. Not so much in the early years, but even in the early years, allowing them to struggle a little bit, allowing them some limited choice, some space, helps them to develop their intelligence and their ability to make the right choice. So another, so we've learned about confidence, security, boundaries, and trust as, as some elements of marvelous mothering that Krishna experienced with his mother and the Pandavas experienced with their mother. And the other quality I want to share to share is, uh, this is, again is Queen Kunti, and she's making a prayer to Krishna. It's a very famous prayer, and we'll listen to it later on. Um, but she's offering prayers when Krishna is about to leave. After the war is over, after the Pandavas have their kingdom, and Krishna is going away. And, and, and Kunti says to him this most amazing prayer, There's a whole section of the prayers, but one of the most highlighted and often quoted prayers is this one, that she asks, I wish that all those calamities that we've just experienced happen again and again, so that we could see you again and again, for seeing you means we will no longer see repeated births and deaths. So... What I get from this prayer is, first of all, the importance of self-spiritual care. Very often, parents get wrapped up in their children, and our lives get wrapped around our children, and we forget to take care of ourselves, especially spiritually, because that's one of the most important things as a parent you can do for your child, is for you yourself to be spiritually strong. And... We sometimes try to have our children be spiritually strong or do many things, um, but, but Kunti here is, is praying to Krishna 
And her wish is that she's not... And we, we don't invite people to start praying for calamities. That's really not the gist of this prayer. But the prayer is showing that when, when troubles come to us, that's where we often experience Krishna in very deep and real ways. And she wants to experience Krishna in deep and real ways because she understands that's more important than anything else. Repeated births and deaths mean next life, I won't have the same children. I won't be in the same situation. But what I do want is that you are always close by. And if you're leaving now because everything is so good, then I'm happy for things not to be so good so you can st I can stay close to you. It's actually an extraordinary prayer. And it really speaks to her um, status, her internal spiritual practice that she was able to do even while being mother of five very active men and uh, being involved, very closely involved in, her, in, in, in their life. So uh, taking care of our own spiritual practice is really, really important for mothers, for parents. Okay. Now, um, there are a few other mothers I want to mention. Uh, but before I go to that, there's one more prayer that Mother Kunti says in this list of prayers. And this is a beautiful prayer to remember if you ever go to the Great Falls. Have any of you been to the Great Falls near here? It's about a five-minute drive. Raise your hands if you've been there. You should go there regularly. And there's, in the first bridge, there's this river that's, um, it's a, a waterfall that's just, you know, dashing to join up with the big river to go to the ocean. And she prays like this, as the Ganga, the Ganges forever flows to the sea without hindrance. Let my attraction be constantly drawn to you without being diverted to anyone else. Again, her internal prayer, even in the midst of all the things she had to deal with as a mother and as a queen, her request is that her attention comes back and is drawn to Krishna. It's, it's a beautiful and it's a powerful prayer. So as I mentioned in my introduction, there are seven mothers. And I understand this also that speaks to the importance of this whole energy of mother and being around the energy of mothers it says we have two ears and one mouth because we should listen more and speak less. So if we have seven mothers, we should all feel connected to mothers at any point in our life and take advantage of it. There's the birth mother, and then there's the nurse. There's the wife of the king, the queen mother. There's the wife of the guru, the spiritual master, is considered a mother. The wife of the teacher is considered your mother, the brahmanas, the wisdom teachers. Then you have the earth as mother, and the final mother, the cow. We're blessed with mothers, not just on Mother's Day, but every day. And if any of you have ever taken time to sit by a cow or be by the cow and, and get some of that cow mother energy, it's amazing. Or walk in nature. What most people, what they do for stress relief is they go, right, for a forest bath or a walk in the park. Because that's the power of a mother. It, it holds, it supports, it loves you. She loves you no matter what. And it's really important for all of us, even though we're not kids anymore, to be held by that good mother energy. It's very nurturing for our heart, and it's very nurturing for our spiritual life. So make sure you're connected to all these mothers um, and, and, and thank them and take care of them and appreciate them and give back to them.
They're an essential component in our spiritual journey. Okay. Another mother very close to us is the mantra that we chant. And Prabhupada, as the guru, he taught us that when we chant this mantra, we should chant it exactly like the genuine cry of a child for its mother's presence. That that's the mood. So this mother hara, we sing hare, which is the call, it's a prayer, it's the vocative form of hurrah. And when you have a child crying for its mother, what will satisfy that child? Sometimes you can try to stick one of those things in their mouth for a little while, right? Or you can try to distract them with keys or all the faces that we make and do when, when, when we're with children. But the reason this example is so powerful is that a child, and especially a young child, nothing will satisfy them except their mother. You cannot substitute that. And that, to have that feeling and understanding when we go to our mantra meditation, when we go to our meditation on Krishna, when we're chanting Krishna's name, Krishna's names, feeling that nothing, nothing, nothing in all of this world, in all of the three worlds, will satisfy me in the deepest and innermost corner of my heart than my relationship with Krishna exactly like a child is not satisfied until they have, they're in the arms of their mother or being fed by their mother or cared for. It's very powerful because it puts us also in a position of vulnerability that we, we, we only want Krishna and we cannot survive without Krishna. It very much sweetens your, your chanting. And um, Prabhupada says here that Krishna reveals himself because Mother Hara helps the devotee achieve Lord Father's grace. Again, the mother, the helper, the supporter, um, this energy of mother... And, and this is how the Lord reveals himself to one who chants this mantra sincerely, this sincere cry of a, a, a coming to that feeling of nothing. I, I want to feel that feeling of just wanting to be in the presence of Krishna. So that's another way where um, Mother shows up. And interestingly, although we often talk about Mother Sita, we rarely speak about Mother Radha. We don't refer to Srimati Radharani as mother very much, but here in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Prabhupada tells us that she's the mother of the entire universe. She's the supreme goddess and she's worshipable by everyone. And she's the mother of the entire universe. So today is a, another good day to stand before Radha Madan Mohan, and, and give a little attention to Radha as the mother of the entire universe. The entire universe. She is the mother of that, and we can stand in front of her. Such a great blessing. Mother also shows up. I'll leave it there. Mother also shows up few more and then we'll open it up for questions. The idea of mother shows up in the understanding of Shastra, of the Vedas, of the literature that we, the Bhakti Shastris. And Prabhupada tells this story that um, 
about this idea of that if you want to know who your father is, you go ask your mother, right? Because she's the only one who can really tell you who your father is. And there was this one young boy, and he wanted to, to, to take initiation. He wanted to have a guru, and he went to this brahmana, and he asked him, um, please, will you, can I be your disciple? And the, the teacher said, well, who's your father? And he said, I don't know. And he said, go ask your mother. And he went to ask his mother, and she was a maidservant. And so she also didn't know who his father was. So she said, I actually don't know your father. So the young boy went back to the teacher and he said, um, my mother, I don't know who my father is. My mother doesn't know who my father is. But he took him as a disciple because he was so honest. Because that's the quality of a, one who wants to be trained as a, as a brahmana, as a teacher, this honesty. But Prabhupada tells that story that when, if we want to know who Krishna is, then our scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita, the Srimad Bhagavatam, our great sacred texts, they're, they're the mother. They will tell us who is the father. It's a powerful example, actually, because... Um, and Prabhupada would, would say it a lot. He would, he would bring this up a lot about ask your mother. And one time a professor said to him, well, what if your mother tells you the wrong father? And he said, that is your great misfortune if your mother is not honest. But that we trust that, that these, these scriptures can actually are the mother and they can actually reveal who Krishna is. Who our father is. Um, and one final mother who is mentioned and who we deal with, we hear a lot about, is the mother of Lord Chaitanya. The mother is Lord, of Lord Chaitanya, who is an incarnation of Krishna. She's called Mother Sachi. And Sachi, I just noticed that that clock has stopped. So I was thinking, oh, my goodness. All right. Good thing I noticed that. I thought I had lots of time. Um, Mother Sachi, sorry about that. Um, she was brokenhearted when her son took sannyas at a young age. She was brokenhearted as, as, as a mother might be. And, and Prabhupada describes that she was feeling great joy and brokenhearted at the same time which is a really wonderful thing that many mothers will feel because they'll feel great happiness when their son or daughter grows up and moves on and is successful in life, but they'll also feel a bit brokenhearted because that relationship is changing. So Lord Chaitanya went away, Mother, uh, mother Sachi was brokenhearted, and then Lord Chaitanya came back to visit her. And he, so, and he told her, even when he had taken sannyas, he said to her, Mother, this body is yours. Tell me what to do. You are a mother. I must obey you. Kind of similar to how the Pandavas spoke to Mother Kunti. So this, this total affectionate love and respect for the position of mother. And then she, in return worked it out with Lord Chaitanya and Advaita Charya that he would take sannyas but stay in Puri, which was far away, but not so far away that she wouldn't hear about him and get to send some, some cooked items for him and, and still feel connected as a mother. So those are some of um, the reflections of what these mothers that are connected to Krishna can teach us the importance when the child is young of confidence and security and boundaries, the importance of giving trust, the importance of taking care of yourself, of your own spiritual practice, no matter what's going on in your life and your family. And then um, the ability to pull that all together into creating um, 
a great experience for your child and your family. So we'll open it up for a few questions, and at about five minutes before two o'clock, I'm going to have you again listen to the beautiful rendition of these prayers that Queen Kunti, one of the most famous mothers in our, in our practice, uh, recited to Krishna. So, would anybody like to any, ask any questions? Good. Uh, you mentioned... Yeah, my question is, you mentioned that Radha is one of the uh, great mother, mm-hmm. mother of the universe. But then I've also heard that Radha represents Krishna's female form. Yes. So I'm little... Uh, mixed up on that. Yes. She's not often spoken about as the mother of the universe, but it's mentioned here, and I wanted to mention it also in connection to our mantra, because the idea of Hara and Hare, when we chant that Radha, that's Radha's energy. So she is... um, the enjoying potency of Krishna, the Ladini Shakti. She's a consort of Krishna. And the relationship between Radha and Krishna is the conjugal relationship, the conjugal rasa, this very sweet lover and beloved. So we mostly view Radha in that light. But it's nice to see her just like we see Krishna as the father. A lot of times we'll see Krishna as the child or playing the flute, the cowherd boy. Um, and we won't have so much about, you know, God the father. In Bhakti, a lot of it is about Krishna being this just young, mischievous child or dancing with the gopis. So as long as, in as much as Krishna is mentioned to be our father and the seed-giving father of everything, so Radha is seen as the mother, the supreme goddess. And all the goddesses, Lakshmi, Durga, they're all seen as mothers. So in that way, she's understood as mother. But primarily, we see her in that lover and beloved relationship between Radha and Krishna. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm not, I'm going to sit here until somebody asks me a question. So uh, I'm always boasting to everybody about how great you are with questions. Yes, thank you. That's fine. You mentioned seven mothers, but you didn't hit on Mother Cow. Do you want to maybe... I did on the oh, last did? one. Oh, yeah. you didn't elaborate on Mother Cow. Maybe you can elaborate a little bit more. The cow um, is especially dear to Krishna and is a mother because she gives milk. She simply eats grass. And she gives milk, which is considered uh, not only a, a miracle nourishing food for the body, but we learn that milk nourishes the particular tissue in the brain that actually helps with spiritual perceptions, right? With spiritual um, realizations. So um, the cow deserves a class all of her own uh, because there's so many things about cows and um, the horrible treatment of cows today is something that um, should concern all of us. Um, and that's why we, of all animals, we offer a special protection to the cow because she represents mother. An offense to the cow, an offense to mothers in generally is, is taken very seriously. Um, it's said that Ravana and his whole kingdom was destroyed because of the offense that he made to Mother Sita. Draupadi, the offense that was given to Draupadi, uh, the wife of the Pandavas and the mother of uh, the Pandavas' children, when she was disrobed, that offense is seen as the catalyst for the, for the war. 
So to offend cows, to offend mothers, is considered in our, in our line as very serious. Um, and cows, Krishna, one of his favorite animals, the cow, he's a cowherd. Um, descriptions of the cows and of, of Nanda Maharaj's thousands and millions and gazillion cows, and they all have names and beautiful stories about how um, when Krishna was going out, when he first was given permission to herd the cows, um, his mother, being a mother, wanted him to wear shoes in the forest because she didn't want his feet to get damaged. And he said, well, if I wear shoes, all the cows have to wear shoes. That's how close he is to the cows. So we have two cows here, and we wish we could have more, but our effort is to take care of two cows, which represents our effort to stand for cow protection. Cow protection was a very important part of Prabhupada's mission. Um, slaughterhouses, he was very, very aghast and spoke very heavily against the culture of slaughtering animals for eating and slaughtering cows in particular. Um, I can't look at them, but there's plenty of nonprofits out there uh, that have enough footage to put you off um, eating meat forever. Um, they say if slaughterhouses were in glass houses, nobody would would you know support this activity. So she's one of our seven mothers, and we should um, remember that regularly. We should um, take care of the cows, spend time with the cows if you can. We have a beautiful farm in Gitanagari. Drive out there. The cows out there are very special. Um, but we have two beautiful cows here. And um, watch what you eat. Um, minimize your dairy intake. You know, I have made a choice in my life to just do a himsa dairy um, because we're, we're able to receive that milk. Um, but I think in general, um, you can take a little milk if you need to, but I think we overdo it in dairy products um, just because uh, it's easy to buy tons of ice cream and so on and so forth. But it all comes from, a, from an industry that's, that's really... Um, there's huge karmic reaction. Prabhupada would speak about that a lot, our founder guru, that the, because of the slaughtering of the cows, um, he would connect that to abortion. And I never actually spent some time, but there's many stories in the Bhagavatam about the child in the womb. That's another very important part of mothering. Um, the, this famous young boy, Prahlad, he learned about Krishna while he was in the womb of his mother. And there's a section they're studying right now in the early morning Sunday class, and it's about the prayers that the child in the womb offers. And it's described that up to seven months, the child is kind of semi-conscious, um, but then at seven months becomes very conscious of where they are in such a cramped condition and begins to pray to Krishna, like, I don't want to do this. Well, what am I here, and, and please rescue me. So when the child is in the womb, is very conscious, and more and more conscious. So that's a very important part of mothering. Shukadev Goswami, was it him? He didn't want to come out of the womb. Um, after nine months, the child usually comes out. This great soul who was in the womb of, what was for how many years? 14 years? Wow. His mother was like, seriously? <laughs> you know? <laughs> But he didn't want to come out. He just thought, um, I, the world is a bad place. I do not want to come out. Of course, he was in a, in a very um, Vyasadeva, right? The, who's, who's Sukadev's father? Vyasadeva, yeah. And finally, they had to really convince him to come out. And the minute he came out, he was just like gone into the forest. So that's, you know, a high level of, of self-realization within the womb. But... Um, there's great practical instructions in this practice of bhakti about how to take care of that child in the womb and how to surround it with sacred sound because that influences the consciousness of the child from a very young level. There's also a story about um, Prikit Maharaj who was in the womb of Uttara um, right at the end of the battle of Kurukshetra. And um, 
That he was the last survivor of this dynasty, right? The last, the child, the carrier of the dynasty. And give me the name of who sent, Ashwatthama sent this Brahmastra weapon. And Uttara prayed to Krishna, please protect my child in the womb. And Krishna appeared there in the womb and protected that child in the womb. And the, the child's name is Prick. It means he saw that darshan of Krishna in the womb. And when he was, came out into the world, he spent his whole life searching for that darshan again. So a lot of stuff happens in the womb. Um, for a mother, Prahlad Maharaj, yeah. Really? Thousands of years. I've never heard that one. But the point is hearing, hearing the Shastras in the womb. Um, another child who was sent to the forest to find Krishna was uh, Dhruva. And that was another thing that the mother did. When Dhruva was offended by his father, he went to his mother crying. She said, you know, I can't do anything to you. Go pray to Krishna. And she's like, where will I find Krishna? And she said, he's in the forest. He was like, okay. I'm off to the forest, and he did amazing austerities. Uh, again, mother's trust. Of course, you don't want to send your small child out to the forest looking for Krishna, but the idea is, um, you know, mothers play a huge role while the child is in the womb, when the child is just born, later on in life. They remain very connected with their children. And if we do it right as parents, if we do it right as mothers, um, we can help our child on their spiritual journey. Because ultimately, you know, there are children, but they're not. When I had my child, I remember very consciously thinking, I have to be very attached to this little thing. And I also have to be very detached because he's got his own journey. He's got his own spiritual life, right? I'm part of it. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he, you know, you never know, right? Prabhupada says, you know, who's an old man? An old person is a person who's going to die, you know, who's close to death. How old, right? So you have to, as parents, have a good dose of attachment. Your child needs to feel loved and connected and needs to belong. But you also have to have a good dose of detachment because they're ultimately not yours. They've had many lives. There's another story in the Bhagavatam. King Chitraketu wanted a son forever. Finally got blessed to have a son. Co-wives got envious, actually poisoned the boy who died right here in our sacred scriptures. And the great sages brought the young boy back to life again. And he told his parents, I've had many parents, many lives. Which one are you? Imagine that. So that's why Queen Kunti's prayer, and that's why the effort to, I'm going to put it on right now, that's why the effort for our own spiritual practice as parents and as individuals, and if we're connected with children or if we're connected with, um, or if we are children for our parents, um, that's why it's very important that we have a good, healthy, happy spiritual practice. Because it helps us balance between very healthy attachment and involvement with our child's life and very healthy dependence on Krishna and uh, an awareness of his hands and the fact is that our child's have their own story to live out as well and to help them do that in the best way pop possible. Okay, we have to do a, 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 a last quick question and then I want to play, I want to play this five-minute prayer. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I wanted to know, how does Krishna have a mother? Hey. Okay. Because he's Krishna. And um, in, in the tradition of bhakti, um, you know, we learn that just as we are people and we have parents and mothers and this and that, well, Krishna loves relationships. It's no fun being God when you're all alone. And particularly in Vrindavan, in Vaikuntha, everybody kind of knows he's Krishna. He knows he's God. And they're kind of a little bit like awe and reverence, like, wow, here comes here comes. Vishnu or like that. But in Vrindavan, it's described that that's like Krishna's at home. And he's very relaxed and he has his parents and he has his friends and he has his family because as Krishna's trying to tell us that the absolute truth is about relationship. Um, it's not about just merging and becoming one with God and finding some peace there. It's about 
the joy of relationship, which is really where peace is. So why does Krishna have a mother? Um, because Krishna wants a mother, even though he's the source of his own mother. So that's the paradox we live with, right? We're, you, they, his mother is, is an expansion of him, part and parcel of him, or like Radha, probably on that line, the energy, enjoying energy. Or people perform great austerity to become Krishna's mother. So, but the, the, the thing is, when Krishna comes to earth, he has his mother here in Vrindavan, but it's also a replica of the spiritual world. And so he's got life, he's got family, he's got loves, he gets up to trouble, he's got cows. It's, it's all there in Krishna book. Um, there's Leela, but, it, it, but it's not just Leela as in story, it's real. And they, the, the idea of our spiritual practice is to help uncover that and, and remember that, because we're also part of that. Okay, because the clock has stopped and now you're all asking questions, but go yeah, ahead. Well, on that, in the spiritual world, Krishna never goes beyond 16. So, I mean, in the, in, in the material world, it's non-different, but there's pastimes that occur here, like there's no demons in the spiritual world, but right. there's demons here. So does Krishna really, does he take birth in this spiritual world or is it only the Leela in the well, pastimes in this world? Yeah, but then we go into this whole idea of eternal, which means nobody's taken birth. Because we're eternal and he's eternal. And it's a little hard for us to wrap our minds around that, especially before lunch. Um, so now I'm going to just have you get absorbed in this prayer that Mother... Kunti, Queen Kunti offered to Krishna. And remember, she's, uh, the, uh, she's asking him not to leave. And she's glorifying him and she's remembering all the things. Now, when you see, uh, it, uh, there's also a special announcement on Mother's Day, but that's the different one. When you see this prayer, you can do three things. When you, if you're in the back, um, you can look at the video. It won't be so blurry. If you're up a little closer, it's a little bl blurry. You can also watch our deities as you're listening to it. But, but lean in and listen because it's really powerful. And it, it, it just lasts about five minutes. Um, are we ready to go? Let me just make it big. Make it nice and loud so we can all, um, all listen. A mother's prayer to Krishna. Oh, Krishna. As the river Ganges forever flows to the sea, let my mind, my being, be constantly drawn to thee. O most gentle, O original personality, master of the senses, seated in the hearts of all that be, existing both within and without, seeing all but seen by none. Unto you I offer all my respects. O Krishna, O soul of the universe, beyond the range of our perception, covered by the curtain of misconception, we are bewildered by your movements. Though you work, you are inactive. Though you take birth, you are unborn. And though you descend amongst men, sages, animals, and aquatics, you are the transcendent reality. And although you are unknown, above all that be, Reveal yourself to the surrendered souls who worship you in the core of their hearts. Unto you I offer all my respects. O Krishna, O eternal master and friend, once when you were a small child, your mother Yashoda took a rope to bind you, your perturbed eyes filled with tears, and though fear personified is afraid of you, at that moment, you were afraid. How can I understand these things? Oh, my Lord, I offer all to you. Oh, Lord, who 
whose glance is as cool as a lotus, who protected us from a great fire, from a poison cake, from cannibals, from the vicious assembly of the crews, from sufferings in exile, from a fierce battle, and from a devastating weapon. You befriended us and stayed with us and guided us through all tribulations. I offer myself and whatever I have unto you. My Lord, your loving kindness and mercy often come clothed in strange guises, enveloped in a shroud of tribulation. Yet our journey through life is made easy by these hardships you provide. O oh Lord, let us not falsely claim that this world is our home. Let us not ever forget that this place is full of danger. But let the calamities come again and again. That we may remember you and meet with you again and again. For by remembering you, we no longer meet with repeated birth and death. O oh Krishna, those who always hear your glories, who always repeat your glories, who always see you in all things, and who always take pleasure in your pastimes, certainly find shelter at your lowest feet. My Lord, you can be easily approached, but only by those who are exhausted with sensual pleasure, unimpressed with opulence, unimpressed with fame and wealth, with prestigious birth, scholarship, only by those who are finished with idle talk, finished with mundane beauty, finished with all forms of religiosity. My Lord, I am not afraid to be abandoned by luck, by good fortune, by friends or relatives. I am not afraid to be handled roughly. I am not afraid to wander the streets homeless like a beggar. I am not afraid to be cast away, condemned, quarantined, or exiled. O most gentle, most holy, most merciful Master, help me, prepare me. Do whatever is necessary to render fit this unworthy soul for entrance into your eternal abode. That prayer, um, you can find that on YouTube. You can also find the prayer in the first canto of the Bhagavatam. Uh, all our books, you can find lots of nice things about Krishna. Also just wanted to say that this has just arrived. It's a um, guide for young readers about Krishna and the Bhagavatam. And uh, it's a wonderful thing to do with your children if you have children. Uh, so check that out at the book corner today. Thank you. Sorry for running late. Um, but uh, the clock, I'm going to blame the clock because it got stuck. And I got lost. Uh, with my, um, so you have a few announcements?